0: Hello, Devils fans. Welcome back to Garden State of Hockey. We had some Devils hockey this week, and here to help me, Dan Rosell, break that down, I have John Fisher. How are you, John?
1: I am doing the best I can with the situation that I'm in, and I am feeling the Larson. (laughs) Ludwig Larson, for those of you that uh, weren't
0: paying attention to, uh, we're recording this, the day of the game against the Boston Bruins prospects for the Devils. Like we said, the Prospects tournament took place in Buffalo this past weekend. The Devils went 1-2 and two with a win against the Boston Bruins in overtime and losses against the Penguins, which was a very tightly fought game, and against the Sabres, which had a score that was closer than the game would suggest. So, you know, where should we start here? I, I mentioned that Boquist and McLeod seemed to pick up their games in the Boston game with the Zaka news. Again, probably unrelated, but they did legitimately have their best games today, as did Ty Smith. What were your thoughts overall in the tournament? And then we can kind of go into individual games or moments that you felt are worth highlighting.
1: Well, when I previewed this challenge for the New Jersey Devils, I stated that the Devils probably had the best roster on paper, and they got creamed by Buffalo in the first game. It did end at 6-4, but it was 6-0 at one point. It was not that close, as you mentioned. And they did not beat Pittsburgh, even though that was more due to the goaltender on Pittsburgh playing out of his mind. That was Diorio, And they needed overtime and an eight-second equalizer from Ludwig Larsson to make the overtime possible. So the devil – so as a hockey blogger, Dan, you have to be strong enough to admit that you're wrong. I was wrong that the Devils had the best roster on paper. In retrospect, the Devils probably should have practiced <laughs> before the challenge like Buffalo did because the Buffalo broadcasters and the Devils broadcasters and people on the All About the Jersey Game thread – for the first game did all mention that buffalo had a couple practices and it showed right. in those first two periods so i'm not surprised that guys like bookvist McLeod, smith and a couple others had their best games against boston because they finally got their legs under them so to speak and the players started getting more familiar with each other i'm not a super big fan of the concept of you just stick guys together and they'll magically develop chemistry but there is something to the fact that you do need to have guys familiar with with where they're going to be, what plays you're running, what the intentions are, and what the coaching instructions are. So by Game 3, you have that more figured out than you do in Game 1, where Buffalo clearly had more of a game plan. They knew how to run in. They just skated the Devils out of the building until it was 6-0, and then the Devils brought themselves to respectability with four goals in the last 22 minutes of the game. Right, and it's interesting because
0: there were – on that point of chemistry, it looked like Boquist, Hughes, and Clark was a nice line that was pretty active throughout all the games. Although, just talking about Hughes for a second here, it's clear that he did not have his best performance, and he knows it. You know, all the post-game interviews suggested there's a lot of...
1: Yeah, he was better in the Buffalo yeah, game. Th-
0: there's a lot coming back from, you know, the off season, what have you, and playing with new players, and... He'll probably be elevated playing with better players as everyone else is, but it did look like, I don't know, maybe he was a little nervous out there. He was missing on some uncharacteristic shots, a a couple of misses near the net, a couple of opportunities that maybe he would have scored on otherwise, or maybe made a different play, but he was turning the puck over a bunch in the early goings of these games as well. I'm not nervous, to say the least. This is a prospects tournament before... There's been any sort of significant training camp activity, anything like that. Love all the people coming out and calling him a bust after three Prospects games. Super great. I would have liked to see more, but what I did see in the in terms of flashing the potential that we know he has, he was pretty good. There, there's no two ways about it. He's moving quicker than everyone else on the ice is at that point. It's just the issue of getting his nerves out from under and getting his feet in a real game-type environment at the pro level
1: well exactly and again his best performance was in the buffalo game and if you wanted an example of how further ahead of everyone else he is in some categories not just the skating but the stick handling and the vision which were the two big things about hughes going into the 2019 draft it's why he was projected to be number one throughout the entire year you got to see this perfectly there was a play in the first period where Someone does a drop pass to him. I think it was Nathan Bastian by the far side circle. He sneaks around the two Buffalo Sabres in front of him, deeks the third guy. He's in the corner. You think he's kind of trapped, even though it was an impressive move to, be, to deke the guy. And he just throws this backhand pass across the slot, perfect as perfect can be to Michael Vukoyevic who then takes a shot and it's easily saved because the goalie read the whole play perfectly. But that's such a hard pass to make. And that's a, an aggressive pass. That's a pass with Moxie, Dan. That's a, that's a pass with some courageousness on it. He not only made it, he made it look easy. And that's in the first period, very little practice, only the morning skate that morning, going up against a Buffalo team that was already out skating the Devils out of the, out of the Harbor Center. This is the sort of thing he brings to the table. So I'm not that worried about Hughes. He'll get some practices. He'll get some preseason action. He's going to be fine. Uh, but you can easily see just by watching that whenever he had the puck or wherever he was moving forward, you, you paid attention, and that's the important That's
0: thing. what we were looking for, too. We were looking for Boquist speed as well. We were looking for Smith's poise and yes. ability to quarterback the power play, which, again, uh. wasn't so much there uh, these couple games, although today he was – fantastic he drew two penalties yeah today was about he drew two day. penalties resulting day. in a five on three on which the devil scored it was a pretty nice sequence too but smith was all over the place today he had a very active game this was more of what i wanted to see from him all tournament long uh, the first two games you know he wasn't that he wasn't a minus by any means but he wasn't really that present he was he didn't stand no, out among the other group of defensemen that was there
1: Yeah, he he definitely was not a standout in the Buffalo game. None of the defensemen were, to be honest with you. Uh, Colton White got torched in that game repeatedly. But yeah, Smith was definitely not a factor, not much of a positive factor in the Buffalo game. But he's he's another example of game one rough. But by game three, clearly he's got his uh, mind right. He's got his legs right and he's much more effective. So I'm not super concerned about his future or Bulkfist's future. I would be a little concerned about some of the other players in this tournament, and I think opportunities to rise up from Binghamton <laughs> may have went astray for a couple of these oh, guys. I just like
0: the pronunciation of Binghamton there.
1: Or Binghamton. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so let's talk about some of those other players, you know, outside the marquee names. I do think that just by – maybe it's just by virtue of playing – alongside Hughes and Boquist, but Graham Clark looked pretty good. He looked like he was not at a place there. He could keep up with those two guys. I think he warranted at least another look, and he was someone that, you know, he was drafted this year, but he's already made our top 25 under 25 list. So what would you think of his performance specifically? I know, you know, we have a lot more names to get to, but I I did think he stood out.
1: I think he he should be pretty pleased with how he did. I mean, keep in mind, he's an 18-year-older he's an 18 year older. He's 18 years old. He's just been drafted and he's playing with AHLers, he's playing against AHLers and he did hold his own. So good credit to him. I thought he did. Keeping up with the guys was important since skating was his big concern coming out of the draft. So it was it's a sign that maybe it'll be a little bit better. It'll be a little more dynamic cuz if he can if he, if he can figure that out, Dan, he might be a real player here. So I'm pretty I'm I'm overall pleased with Clark even though he didn't really hit the net all that much but he did score given the circumstances he did score one he did score one so credit to him so are there any other are there any other any
0: forwards that you think might might have earned themselves another chance another look maybe not maybe not necessarily this training camp just cuz there's so much overflow and logjam going on in the roster but maybe down yeah. the road
1: there are two that come to mind, and they were kind of the heroes of the day, especially against Boston. Michael McLeod, I think it was smart of the coaches to keep him away from Nathan Bastian, trying to establish that he doesn't necessarily need to have his Steelheads teammate always on his right wing to demonstrate what he can do on the ice. I thought that, like the other players, he got better as the tournament went on. Obviously, he played a big role in today's win. And of course, Ludovic Larsson, he... Now, keep in mind, he's an AHL contracted player, so he can't be called up to the NHL. But you know he succeeded when, after the game today, he scored with eight seconds left in regulation to tie up the game. He scored in overtime through a Colton White screen, of all things. That was an you know an excellently well-done three-on-three play, if a bit aggressive. Nevertheless, Ludovic Larson after the game, said before the challenge, he was told he wasn't going to be invited to the camp, which means he probably would go to Binghamton's camp later in the, later in the month. After the game, they told him, "You're coming to New Jersey." there you kid. go. He's a, hes not going to win a job because, again, he's not—he doesn't have an NHL contract. But that more than anything else says, and us. he's
0: the teammate of another Devils prospect as well. He plays for Penn State, I believe, or he played for Penn State. He played
1: for Penn State. He—he his he so he
0: teammates with uh, Arnie Talvity. So we haven't gotten a chance to see him just because he does still play for Penn State and uh, the college kids can't show up to these prospect tournaments for eligibility reasons. But it's it's nice that he kind of came out of the woodwork. He was super clutch today. And if you told me that going in the better 3v3 line between McLeod, White and Larson versus Hughes, Boquist and Smith If you ask me who the better line was going to be in (laughs) overtime, uh, I'm never going to give you the answer that was actually the correct answer. But I'm glad it happened that way because they looked like they knew what they were doing. McLeod found him really nicely in front of the net on the game-tying power play goal as well.
1: Exactly. And those are the sorts of things that will help you get noticed. And that's ultimately what you can get out of this camp for a player like Larson. It's not necessarily, hey, you're going to now get a, get an NHL job just like Jesper Bratt did. You, you get an opportunity to get another opportunity. And for a guy like Larson or even a guy like McLeod who needs to establish that, hey, he's going to be better in Binghamton this season and want to warrant more call-ups – the work starts today, or the work started this weekend, rather. From the
0: so that that kind of wraps up the forward side at least. I, I don't think there was really much more to discuss. The Devils not scored a ton of goals in this prospect challenge. Um, they scored what eight total across three games? No, they scored, uh, yeah, eight total across three games. Yeah, eight total. And that's not what we usually see in a prospects challenge, but they, I don't know, the forwards. We pretty much saw what we thought we would see, but is there anyone on the defensive side beyond Smith who basically comes with this expectation on him that he'd be in camp already? Is there anyone on the defensive side who improved their organizational standing? Is there someone who stood out to you? Because beyond Smith, I don't know that I saw anyone really that interesting.
1: I would have to agree. I don't think anybody really covered themselves in glory. like A guy like Michael vukojevic He's going to go back to juniors, so I don't think he really helped his cause. That Not that he has one. He's going to go back to Kitchener, and that's where he should be. Uh, Nikita Okotjak, he was injured, so he didn't play in the challenge at all, so you didn't get to see him. The Devils brought in as an invite Nicholas Kanad, mm-hmm. who plays forward for Misagua. Yeah, <laughs> He played forward at the development camp back in July, but they needed a defenseman, and they wanted him on the roster, so they slotted him on defense. I guess he can show that he has he's willing to do whatever it takes. Not a bad thing to have for future invites, but I don't think it really helped his cause. I think he's going back to juniors as well. So, no, I don't. I don't think Colton White helped his cause. I don't think any Sizens helped his cause. It's just kind of whatever.
0: Yeah, defense. I think actually Kanad stood out to me in terms of playmaking. I, I thought he did. Um, he handled the puck pretty well in the offensive zone. There were some hiccups on defense. Cause I would it's, hope so. He's that's a not his actual position. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so they're playing him as a defenseman, but I didn't think, I don't think he had a bad tournament by any means. I thought Sissons had an awful tournament. He was tripping and falling yeah. every which way, turning the puck over left and right. And for someone who a lot of people were saying could have a dark horse outside shot, he did not do anything.
1: No, no. No, not at so all.
0: So it's kind of tough to watch, but it was cool to see the the guys back on the ice again wearing Devils jerseys. You know, it was interesting to see how this tournament kind of stood up to what real play would look like. Obviously, it was a lot sloppier, and the team it was clear that they hadn't had a chance to really develop any sort of chemistry like we said or play together. So no. hopefully that develops as camp goes on, as uh, main camp starts. What on Thursday?
1: I believe Thursday and Friday. I think it dep- typically rookies will report first, and then the veterans will follow up. They'll have their physicals, and then they get together, have a couple practices, and then preseason starts on mm-hmm. Monday.
0: Gotcha. So it's all going to happen very quick, but ideally yeah. we'll see some of these guys there again, and their play will be elevated playing with better players. It's just That's just what happens. But put a scoring winger on Hughes' side, suddenly he feels a lot more confident dishing out the puck. I think he felt like he had to do a lot this tournament too, because the forward depth was pretty thin.
1: Well, I don't want to say it's thin. It's just he's expected to be the man, and there are many times where he showed that. Yeah, he can be the man, but when you're throwing passes and then the other guy at the other end—no disrespect to him—is you know Michael Vukovic. You know that shot's just not going to the net. If it's Kyle Palmieri, hey, now you got now you're cooking with gas. Yeah. For sure. That's
0: someone who you can dish the puck out to. You put him in a good spot to score, he'll score. That's what he does. Yep. It's
1: it's how he gets paid.
0: Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see how he looks. I I think this was a good wake-up call to get him back into the swing of things after a uh, exciting and somewhat pampered summer, some might say.
1: Well, I wouldn't say necessarily pampered. I mean, the guy's been working out. He's trying to get bigger. He's getting used to becoming a professional. And honestly, this is the time where we want to do it. This is something I want to really emphasize for not only the Prospects Challenge, but also preseason games. This is the time to be bad. This is the time to be rusty. This is the time where you need to work on things. Do it before the games start counting. Because when the games start counting given that the goal here is to make the playoffs, the Devils are probably going to need every point that they're going to get just to have a chance at this. So get get your rust out of the way, get your slumps out of the way, get your uh, blind spots out of the way. If it means losing all these preseason games to do it, do it. This is the time to get it together. Definitely agree there.
0: And we'll uh, use this time to take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors, and we'll move on to a similar Hughes-related question in the back half as well as uh, some other news about prospects so it's a prospects heavy episode sorry that's where we're at now but uh, I hope you enjoy it anyway and we'll be right back hey welcome back so like we say every week we appreciate you guys writing in we appreciate the feedback and we got an interesting question over email today which relates to what we were just talking about in the prospects challenge especially because we did see prospect challenges from around the league and Today was the first day that Rangers' first-round pick, Kapokako, took place in a prospects game, and he looked pretty good. So, naturally, that's got people freaking out. So, John, if you want to dip into this email that we received from D-Doug129.
1: Sure. So, his question, So first of all, he compliments us. He likes what we're doing. He thinks that we should do this more nice, often. D-Doug. We'll try our best, D-Doug. He does state... One topic I am a dissenter on is that he has deep worries about Jack Hughes. His question, how can Muse make an impact? He looks like he's about 14 years old and weighs about 150 pounds. I think he's going to get killed out there playing with men. Will he go into a shell when he gets brutally hit by, say, a 230-pound beast like Ovi? I am worried that Hughes is way overhyped and will disappoint. But sorry, I think Capo is going to be a stud. Bummer that he's on the Rangers. I am admittedly prejudiced for getting big, strong players. The big teams te- seem to wear down the small teams in the playoffs. I'm also worried the Devils' roster is too small. With Butcher, Sammy, Hughes, Brat, Coleman, Ty Smith, and Gusev are not very big. We'll see. Thank you for the great broadcast. Keep them going. Okay, that was more than a question. I just continued on with the other <laughs> statements he had after the question because it all relates to size. Talk about big men here, Dan. Yes. Talk about strength, toughness
0: massive big hockey men doing big hockey things and I get I get the concern I get why this is something that comes up they do have a rather small lineup for the NHL Ooh. their average height I think is definitely in the bottom half of the league again Jack Hughes is 18 years old the kid is not going to be this size forever we know that we are well aware yeah. of that the fact that they are so small is not in any small part due to the fact that they skew really young
1: Yeah, and on top of that, from the prospects challenge, from the very first game, he was lined up for some pretty big hits by Buffalo's players. And some of those Buffalo Sabres prospects were pretty big dudes themselves. Big men, if you will. And he was dodging their hits. And if he did take a hit, you know what he did, Dan? He got back up and kept playing. So I'm not super concerned about the durability. Obviously, he's got to get stronger. But as you said, he's 18. He's going to get stronger. Well, the idea is
0: what made him so appealing you know despite his size was his elusiveness once he has his yep. legs out from under him we'll be able to see that vaunted elusiveness the the whole thing is that he can yeah. avoid hits and it you exactly. know small players are not precluded from success in the nhl johnny goudreau is a borderline mvp candidate for a couple seasons a few years in a row um you know Braden point Got a ton of points this year. Martin St. Louis carved out a pretty good career as a small player now, and none of those guys set the U.S. national team development program record for uh, for point
1: scoring. Exactly, and and again, we saw this in day the first game of the Prospect Challenge. Day one, nope, very few practices, only the morning skate, and Hughes was already dodging hits. So, again, I understand over an 82 game season. Yes, he's going to have some lickings. He's probably going to be fouled probably quite a bit. But this is a guy who dealt with it at the international level. He dealt with it at the US NTDP level. He dealt with it with exhibition games against college players who are typically much bigger and more developed since they're older. And he's been able to handle it. So I'm not super concerned about Hughes in terms of if he's overhyped and disappointment. Again, he's thrown off... Difficult, hard to make passes from day one. So I'm not super concerned about that. We're, we will have to just wait and see on that. Truth be told, I do want to answer the end point about the Devil's roster being too small, and about that last point about you know how small big teams seem to wear down small teams in the playoffs. The Boston Bruins are pretty much the definition of I guess of a grinded out team. They love to cycle Dan. They love to grind it out. They've got players that will. Be mean and nasty one of them will lick you well you know, how big is that guy also ha- by the way the- yeah he, he's not a big man either but you know it's something about the size of the fight and the dog and size of the dog and the fight or whatever the fact of the matter is the smaller team was st louis and they were able to grind it out and get a w and their first stanley cup furthermore we've seen plenty of smaller players even in new jersey guys like neil Broughton, brian gianta the recently retired steven gianta Scott Gomez wasn't a super big guy either. He wasn't small per se, but he was not as big Parisi man is either. Not that big. The fact Parisi definitely was not that big as well. Andy Green isn't even that big for a defenseman. He's not tiny, but he's definitely not a six foot four, you know, two hundred twenty pound man of muscle. The fact of the matter is, if you got game, you got talent. You're going to find a way to make it work. And if you got all the right players with the talent and the games, you're going to have success. And we've seen this over and over again. In the NHL, we've seen it in the Devils organization, so I'm not super concerned about the lack of bigness on the New Jersey.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'll learn as the year goes on, everyone in this case, that I'm very optimistic when it comes to things like this. And having seen the amount of success I've seen for smaller players, Hughes' size going into the draft did not sway me at all all. This is something that no. people like you said with enough talent they can find a way around it, but his whole thing is that he's adapted his game already to weave around the fact that he, he has to avoid hits. He knows this. He wasn't born, you know, 6'5" uh you know to grow into 6'5" 250 or something like that. You know, he's not a power forward by any means, but he's never meant to be. That's not what his game is about.
1: Exactly. And I'm not here to make fun of D-Doug or say that his question is bad because it, it's not It's not that it's not a legitimate concern, but you are right that this has been increasingly less of a concern in today's game. And I think the further success of other even smaller players, players smaller than Jack Hughes, like Alex Debrinkat, teams are looking for these players. They're trying to identify them. And as such, you're seeing more guys who are under the age of six, uh, I'm sorry, under the... Height of six feet and well under the weight of 200 pounds and they're getting drafted. They're getting picked teams are investing in these players. So this is how the league is going. And as such momentum is being what it is. It's going to continue. So I'm I'm, going forward. I don't think it's going to be that big of a concern. And as as pointed out. Hughes definitely can dodge these hits, and he probably will. It
0: seems that NHL teams might at least be thinking about a factor like this, because Cole Caulfield dropped way further than anyone thought he would, and a lot of it comes down to how big he is. He can score goals with the best of them in terms of a prospect perspective, but he fell to Montreal because he is a small player. I think they pretty much got a steal there, and I was surprised that he went Oh, yeah, Montreal.
1: But keep in mind, it's not like Cam York is a massive dude and he went ahead of him. It's not like all the guys ahead of him were, you know, big hulking beasts. In fact, he was still, even though we're saying he slipped in the draft, Dan, he still was picked in the first round. He was still picked fairly high. In years past, Dan... He would not even be a first rounder. Well, so that's the, like in any other situation,
0: difference. if he's not the stature that he is, you hear someone scores 70 plus goals in a campaign in junior twice and you say, no, I think we could let him drop to 15. That's crazy to me.
1: Yeah. And, and to be fair, there are players that have that happen. Arthur Kaliev dropped 50 in the OHL. He's 6-2. Still fell to the
0: second round. But that one was
1: weird, too. People didn't understand that one either. No, they didn't. That many people derided the drop of Kaliev. but we're not here to litigate the 2019 first not round, yet. which had a <laughs> lot of, lot of reaches in well, it.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just talk. stop thinking about what could have been. Just think about what they drafted. the the reason, the reasoning, every single pick was leaning towards Jack Hughes at the time of the draft, and that's what matters to me. They didn't go off board for anything. They made the right pick at the time based on all the information available that they had, that scouts had, that media had. They based it on their personal discussions with Jack Hughes. There's, it wasn't just the hype surrounding him that led him to be anointed number one, because Capococco did make himself a case at the World Juniors, you know, playing against professional players. However... It's so early to tell with these guys. How are people already freaking out after one Prospects game or two Prospects games at most each way?
1: Well, you know how it is, Then, And if you have the ability to say your thoughts whenever you want, you're just going to say your thoughts whenever you're thinking uh-huh. of them. Not necessarily with perspective. But that's true of everything. I mean, I do it. You do it. It's human nature. It is what it is. That's fair. And as human nature. You know what else is human What's nature, that? Dan? Ranking people. Putting them in a list trying to identify who's number one and who's number not one. I don't know how big your list is. so you
0: out-segued me to the top 2525 continuation here, and since we are recording this earlier in the week but releasing on Wednesday, John, it seems like you have some lengthy updates for us regarding this list, so let's dive into those.
1: All right, so where we last left off, we left off at the 21st spot. So now we're getting into the nitty and gritty – the meaty portion, we're getting into the beef inside the Sloppy Joe that is the top 25 under 25. And that metaphor is bad because most people refer to the Sloppy Joe, the best part it, as being the meat and not the top bun. You know what? I'm just <laughs> going to read the list. Okay. So at 20th, Brandon Gig, Zignac.
0: Ginyak? Ginyak.
1: Ginyak. there you go. As a hockey blogger, I don't always get the names right, but you know where I'm <laughs> going. Anyway. The 21-year-old center out of Binghamton moved up to the 20th spot after finishing 31st last year. Last year was an injury-plagued campaign. He was able to play his uh, first full professional season with the AHL. So good for him. Yeah, he did not do much in the tournament. No, he did not. He did not do much at all. Coming in at 19 is the first potential nhl on the list, John Hayden. So he was acquired at the draft for John Quenville shortly after some guy named P.K. Subban was acquired. You may have heard of him. Uh, so Quenville's out. John Hayden is in. I ranked him in my top 15 just because he's probably going to be in the NHL. I can't really rank him that far below guys who aren't going to be in the NHL, but he finished 19th. Not a bad spot for him. He's a fourth liner. He may bounce between Binghamton And New Jersey, it depends if he clears waivers, but he could. It's his only time on the list. He's 24. He won't be on it next year. Coming in at number 18 is a guy that I thought was going to be at the prospects challenge. I named him my X factor, the guy to watch somebody I was interested in, but he didn't play because he was injured. Well, rather he was held out out of fear of injury. (laughs) Fabian Zetterlund coming in at 18. So we did not see him at the prospect camp. I'm sorry, the prospect challenge. He wasn't even at the development camp. Supposedly he's been practicing, so you might get to see him in preseason. I hope he does. He's definitely going to spend most of his time in Binghamton. He just signed his ELC. He's just coming over from uh, Farjasad in the Swedish Hockey League. So Bing, Binghamton would be the best place for him. Still, I want to see what he does with NHL players. 18 i think is a pretty good spot considering his injury last year most most of the people ranked him around
0: yeah this years. is all almost a perception thing we haven't really seen much of him in the devil's context yet
1: yeah he's basically a prospect where you think he's got a future but you don't want to really buy into the future that much because well, how would you what you are you buying it? exactly yeah. you know exactly so we shall see Coming at number 17, up a couple spots from 22nd last year, is Marion Studenich. Ooh. He was one of the few forwards that was not called up from last year's uh, injury-depleted forwards in the second half of last season. He stayed in Binghampton the entire time. But people like what he's done out of, coming out of uh, juniors. they Respect smartness, he definitely got some special teams time in the prospects challenge with Mr. Hughes and Mr. Boakvist. So they definitely think of a somewhat offensive role for him, or at least they did at the prospects challenge. We shall see in coming camp of exactly how he'll fare with the B Devils. But we shall see if he'll be able to make a jump to being a call up at some point this season. He's he's still very young at 20 years old. So uh,
0: this is interesting because we are going to get into territory now of certain prospects who were at the Prospects Challenge and I know we just got done saying that they didn't do much, but keep in mind it was 3 games there. So this is all coming from a body of work and the perception from fans based on entire AHL or junior campaigns. Now this Prospects Challenge does not necessarily dictate how well they would perform on the team, you know, just given past experience, but I just gotta say, you know, with the with a with the biggest grain of salt, Studenich did not do much in the Prospects Challenge either.
1: No, and keep in mind this list was put together before the Prospects Challenge that's was true. happening. We're just releasing the results now. I will say one thing in Studinich's favor is that he did play for Slovakia at the senior level with the world at the World Championships mm-hmm. last spring. And he had a goal and four assists. So that's not a tournament for Bad players. That's a tournament with legit players playing legit competition, and Slovakia definitely had to do some uh, underdogging, for lack of a better word. That's a terrible phrase. Whatever. The point is, is that he went. He, he started off hot in Binghamton. He seemed to rebound towards the end. We'll see how he does as he gets a little older. I think he might have a future. I think seventeen is a not a bad spot for a guy oh, like him. A and coming in at 16, finishing off the 5 that Brian released last week, was Michael McLeod. He actually fell from ninth all the way down to 16. Basically, his, last, his first pro season last year wasn't that great. Well, I mean, yeah, he did play in 21 games for the NHL due to the call-ups, due to the fact he was not injured after he was called up. But he did not acquit himself very well for a guy that was vaunted of saying, oh, he's quick, he he, he can be nimble, he he's, can be a strong center, he could be a two-way player. The only thing he really did well in was face-offs. <laughs> he didn't really create a lot of shots. He didn't really handle the puck super well. He didn't make a lot of things happening. I mean, granted, he's 21. So it's it's a little early to write him off. But I can understand why a lot of people looked at his body of work and just said – this was this is an auspicious start to his pro mm-hmm. career. So But
0: he had a pretty good and tournament. keep
1: in mind. <laughs> he did have a pretty good tournament. So perhaps it's onwards and upwards for him if he has a good preseason. Hey, we could see him in New Jersey at some point this year. It works for me. That's just always how it nice works. to get a like but, you know
0: former first rounder in the fold as well.
1: Well, exactly. And that's the thing with McLeod. and and without the top 25 tw- under 25 in general is that if you're a first rounder, you tend to stay on the top 25 part of the list. But even though McClaude has been trending down, he finished fifth in two thousand seventeen, he finished ninth in two thousand eighteen, <laughs> now he's down to sixteenth. I'm not saying he's gonna be off the list next year, but well, do well, McClaude. Please that's not just
0: because he's doing significantly poorer each year. They're also getting a lot of new
1: faces every in camp every year, you know. True, but the but that's exactly it, is that he's not keeping up with right. the new talent. So anyway, so he finished sixteenth. So, since we're going to be releasing this after Brian makes his next update, the middle of the pack, the post before the top 10 of the top 2,525, 25, here's who came in from 15th through 11th. Number 15 is Penn State Nittly, Nittany Lion Arn Talvite, the teammate of Ludwig Larsson last season for at least half of last season because Talvite most missed most of last season after the World Junior Championships. But he was doing very well at Penn State as a freshman, and he did very well at the World Junior Tournament. Unfortunately, the knee, and he had a torn ACL. So the big concern is going to be how he he recovers from that and how he performs as a sophomore because he's not going to get that World Junior Championship opportunity again. He's going to be, I think, too old for it. I think. I'm sure someone's going to correct me if I have that wrong. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, the goal for him is can he recover and can he take on a bigger role on a still very young college team because Penn State is still very new to Division I hockey. Uh, compared to most other colleges. So still 15 is a very nice spot for him since he had a good year. To me, he is kind of the equivalent of Zetterlund in terms of
0: not playing much from a devil's perspective yet, but he he's that guy that you're like, ooh, they also have this guy in the pipeline. He could be something good.
1: It's exactly. the version of
0: Zetterlund that's already playing on the North American eye surface.
1: True. And also, Talvite was really good. Like, you could actually look at those games he's played for Penn State or the World Junior Championship and go, oh, look, he's producing, he's making plays, the coaches like him. Like, there's there's more of a body of work, so to speak, to look at and go, oh, this is yeah, somebody. He, this isn't just some he guy. He that Finland team that won the World Juniors. Correct. There you are. Anyway, coming in at number 14 is another former collegiate player, Brett Sini. He is... He moved up one spot from 15 to 14, mostly on the strength of playing 51 NHL games. And Now, granted, he didn't do a lot in those games, but he did put up 13 points. He was a spark plug kind of player, very limited minutes. But hey, he made it to the NHL right out of college, which is always impressive. Similar to the question we got about Hughes, this guy is small. He's 5'9 and 157 pounds officially. So he may truly be 5'8 and 140. I don't know. <laughs> you know. I'm not. Sometimes the NHL tends to exaggerate the heights and weights a little bit. We'll see it, at the physicals what his official weight will be for this year. Nevertheless, Sini did hang in the NHL for 51 games. And he was sent down to Binghampton for more games to play a much larger role as the other B-Devils were called up. So... He's definitely going to project out as a fourth-line player, but the difference is that he could be an NHL fourth-line player. So I think 14, it's not. A, it, it's definitely a result of what he did last season, the fact he was in New Jersey. But there's a future, even if it isn't a very high uh-huh. future. And I think, truth be told, if you're going to compare somebody like Hayden and Sini, you probably want to give the edge to Sini just because a spark plug may be able to do more than just, like, a guy. Right. So... We shall see. He, he, But he'll definitely be somebody you want to keep an eye on in camp to see if he can once again fight, fight his way for a roster spot, because that's what he did last season. Last season, he fought his way to have the Devils remember his name and bring him up to New Jersey for a while. That's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, you're not wrong. No. Coming at number 13 is McLeod's teammate from Missis, Mississauga, Nathan Bastion. He only played in a handful of games last year because he got injured after his call-up, but... Uh, he made an early jump to pro hockey with Binghampton. He had a much more productive season with 18 goals in 58 games. He averaged over two shots a game. He had three goals in seven games. He's big. He can he can be tough. He was definitely more impressive in his seven games than McLeod was in his 21. So I de- I think that definitely acquitted him to a big jump in the rankings. He was 23rd in 2018. He jumped all the way up to 13. So I think people are excited about him. He's 21 years old. He's going to turn 22 in December. This is going to have an important year for Bastion, Dan, because his waiver eligibility ends after this mm-hmm. season. <laughs> so if the Devils want to see what they have in Bastion, it might have to be this year just to before they have to start worrying about can he clear waivers or
0: Bastion not. springs to mind as someone who made the most out of his short audition with the Devils last year You know, towards the yes. end of the season when it was all winding down. It was clear that they had – Not a ghost of a chance to make any sort of meaningful hockey happen that season when they started calling people up, injury replacements left and right. I think Bastion was one of the players that sticks out to me, you know, alongside Rooney, who's not on this list. But I think those two were the ones that made the strongest impression in their time in the NHL, at least um, from what I saw last year.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was less than enthused with Rooney, but I'm not going to get into that argument today. We can debate that on a future episode. See if he makes the roster. Anyway. Well, that's true. <laughs> anyway, Dan, who is the best defensive prospect not named Ty Smith in the system? Boy,
0: is it is it Colton White? No. Did we already we had Colton White. Wait a minute. The best yeah. defensive prospect not named Ty Smith in the system?
1: Xavier yeah. Bernard? <laughs> no. <laughs> i wish i could throw something at you no it's right oh my walsh, god the harvard well, see,
0: man. I'm, I'm biased because i've been watching this tournament and doing nothing else regarding <laughs> this the entire summer but yes riley walsh uh teammate of new new rangers prospect adam fox
1: correct well walsh is 20 years old and he had a very fine year with harvard again and he moved his way up from 14th to 12th on the top 2525 he's getting close to that all-important junior year and that all-important question of will he sign or will he take his senior year and be at risk of going to the free market like other players at of harvard BC. like adam fox or jimmy vc or alex kerfoot oh boy <laughs> yeah i mean we only named guys but you know those three guys actually have any well they're, all, so they're also they're also
0: all pretty recent guys i think this is something that sure. you know this could all propagate between several iterations of just the harvard team
1: itself Correct. But in any case, with Fox moving on up, Walsh will likely have a much bigger role with his team. And so he's definitely a prospect that you want to keep your eye on. If you're into college hockey, pay attention to Harvard. See how Walsh is doing. If he's doing it big, don't be surprised that the Devils are going to rush to offer him a contract.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see more of him. And again, he is one of those players, as we mentioned, to affect college eligibility. He couldn't participate in this prospects challenge, even though he's someone that I thought would have... I would have loved to see him in this environment.
1: Absolutely. I think he would have acquitted himself very well in it. All right, and rounding out the list, another NHL player, Mirko Mueller at 11th. (sighs) He falls two spots. I had him in my top 10 just because Mueller is one of those players that, on paper, he's hard to really value. Like, he doesn't give you a lot of points. He doesn't give you a lot of flashiness. If you go into the analytics so to speak the underlying metrics if you will he's not that bad of a defenseman the thing is is that he's also not that great mm-hmm. of a defenseman <laughs> he's pretty much to the definition of a guy you could put on your third pairing maybe your second pairing you could put him on your penalty kill he'll give you good work and that's just about it uh once in a while he'll do something cool other times you'll just wonder what he's doing but for the most part he's pretty okay i think he's an nhl player i think he'll be a regular i think ty smith is going to have a harder fight than he thinks if he's going to try to unseat mueller's spot on the team that being said the devils did only re-sign him to a one-year deal so we shall see about that but he comes in at number 11 I, so he dropped I, I think bit. a lot
0: of people's issue with mueller specifically is the price the devils paid to get him because it was essentially Paul palmary price
1: y- yeah but that's also years ago like but you know he's now 24. It's been a couple years since that trade was made. You know, let's focus on the on oh, the for net. Sure. I, I mean, I I'll think agree, people just expect I'll, it. i agree you know? that you don't want to. I'll agree that you don't want to highly rate a lot of the defensemen from last season's yeah. team. But Mueller wasn't really that bad. But I can understand why he would be hanging around that. 9, 10, 11 spot, where you want to respect him because he's an NHL player, but you know he's not as enticing or has a bright future or anything. Like, he is pretty much who he is at this point. And at age 24, this will be his final position on the top 25
0: under 25. Mm-hmm. He's, he's part of that Swiss charge that the Devils are assembling, and Nico Heisher, uh, Mirko Mueller, Akira Schmid, Jill Sen, it's, it might be a comfort factor, because the trade was also made when the Devils drafted, or were about to draft Nico.
1: True. It was actually shortly before that year, too. So I don't know if that was a connection there or it, the Devils did need a defenseman at the time. They they weren't super, con, super happy with the other prospects they had at the time, if I recall correctly. So yeah. it is I'm not sure it if is. there was the intention no, behind it, but
0: I'm sure it helped in terms of easing the Nico's transition to North America.
1: Perhaps. Nonetheless, that's the top 25 under 25 list all up until Number 11. So that means the next time we talk, we will talk about, possibly, the top 10.
0: Awesome. And, yeah, thanks for running that down for us. So can you just give us um, number order of 20 through 11? Just uh, name a number just as a recap.
1: Sure. So at number 20, Brandon Zignac. Zignac. (laughs) Zignac. 19, John Hayden. 18, Fabian Zetterlund. 17, Marion Studenich. 16, Michael McLeod. 15, Arn 14, Brett Sini. 13, Nathan Bastian. Number 12, Riley Walsh. Number 11, Mirko Mueller. All right. Perfect. So, yeah, be on
0: the lookout for the uh, the rest of that list coming out uh, in the next couple of weeks or even days at this point. We're right next to training camp and preseason. So, That'll be something worth talking about as well. But again, the top 25, this top 10 will have some names that you're expecting to see there. And again, some reminders of, yes, these players are indeed under 25 years old and mainstays on the devil's roster.
1: Absolutely. I think people tend to it's forget the age that, that we're I in. think
0: people do tend to forget that there's a lot of guys on this team that are already NHL quality starters, but they are still below 25.
1: This is true. And it's also a function of the large draft classes the Devils have had over the last four years. Because if you look down at Binghampton, almost all those guys signed to an NHL contract that are there are draft picks. It's not as if the Devils made a lot of deals to bring in prospects or anything like that. If anything, they've traded more picks and prospects away. And they still have only one free agent forward, Ben Street. Everyone else is a draft pick. And oh yeah, Ludwig Larson, he was an undrafted free agent, but still. Point, point taken. Other than Larson and Street, everyone else in that system is a draft pick. The defensemen are largely draft picks. The goalies are almost all draft picks. It's, this is the future. The future is imminent, and we shall see who makes it, who doesn't, and the training camp coming up is going to see who's ready now.
0: And just as a quick aside, I didn't really touch upon the goalies of the prospects challenge too much just because it feels like there's absolutely no role for them in terms of making the roster this year. So if there was any sort of competition... I'd say who stood out to me, at least in this tournament, was Akira Schmid. I thought he had a pretty good game against Pittsburgh and uh, Cormier was was decent today. Jill Sen had a very tough game against Buffalo. Every shot was going in.
1: Well, he was hung out to drive for the first All four right. goals, you know, two on ones, bat a terrible turnover 30 seconds into the game. But yeah, he did give up two pretty bad goals. It is what yeah. it is.
0: And, and so, you know, that that's not really as much of an area of concern. I wasn't watching so much for the goalkeeping. Like, if they lost, like, 8-5, to five, but the forwards were playing how I wanted to, I would have been fine, too. Yeah, uh, it is and, what it is. So, yeah, that brings us to um, winding down this episode. Is there anything else you want to uh, mention here, John, while we have some time?
1: Well, I just want to mention that uh, I'm looking forward to preseason. I'm looking forward to the Devils appearing at The Rock again. I'm looking forward to trying to figure out which games will and will not be broadcasted, because as a hockey blogger, that's kind of important for trying to figure out what this team is doing and giving an opinion on what's happening. But nevertheless, I'm always excited this time of year, because it's not that long before the real games start happening. We're
0: so close, and all of your roster questions will finally be answered. You'll learn everything you need to learn, and hopefully be talked off the ledge regarding Jack Hughes.
1: Absolutely. So if you're
0: out there... Uh, brace for the preseason and again as always thanks for listening you can find us at all about the jersey that's aat jersey blog on twitter we post these uh, episodes on the blog as well as most major podcasting platforms every week so check it out give it a listen give it a download it really helps us out and uh like i said you know we always say we appreciate you guys writing in We love engaging with you guys, so keep the questions coming, keep the conversation flowing, and let's get to this season and make it a good one.
1: Absolutely.
0: All right, and with that, have a great rest of your day, and we'll see you guys next week.